This episode is brought to you by KG Productions for Krishna Nose. Good morning. Uh, we are doing the Uddhav Gita. This is chapter 14 and we are continuing from verse 17 onwards. We are done till verse 16. Krishna is giving an explanation about what was told to Yudhishthir in the battlefield. How an explanation was given about a wise person. So today we are going to continue further than that, and we will try to understand how does a wise person. Now, when we say wise, we are talking about an enlightened being. We are just not talking about an ordinary person. We are talking about somebody who is enlightened, who might have gone beyond. So, how does he behave? So we are doing Uddhav Gita, chapter fourteen. The verse is seventeen. The last message of Sri Krishna. Vedic texts, direct perception, tradition, and inference. These are the four proofs of knowledge. Since this ever-changing phenomenal world does not stand the test of these. the wise man turns away from it now if i have to get some knowledge from somewhere what is the proof of it i have to delve in that subject deeply to understand the proof of this knowledge if somebody tells me that this green mango is sweet now i will wonder because green mango sweet do not gel a green mango is always sour this is a very common perception isn't it so this the first thing is somewhere it is written there are lots of people who might have written about the subject or might have said about this subject and i come to know through those people second thing is when i have actually eaten a green raw mango i have eaten it so naturally i have an idea about it the third one is i have seen my parents take the raw mango and make a pickle out of it so this tells me that this is a raw mango we have been eating raw mango in a pickle and just when you look at it a look at the raw green mango and it doesn't have any smell and when you even cut it you can actually get a kind of a flavor which tells me from far that it is sour <laughs> so naturally i am inferring with so many inputs what is the truth about this subject so this tells me in reality that mango is sour 
this is the way in which a person can actually arrive at the right answer. I have given you a worldly example. Now, in the spiritual world, all of you are gathered over here for spiritual discourse. In a satsang, you get a lot of knowledge. You can read about it also, you can write about it, you can preserve it and then you can regurgitate it <laughs> and go back and see it once again. You get an understanding of the subject. So Krishna is telling Uddhava to get direct knowledge and the firmness of that knowledge, you have to go through these four means even in spiritual Number one, we have scriptures. There are lots and lots of scriptures. Now these scriptures have cover, you know, come into existence over a period of time. Somebody somewhere has done research on this subject. The data is accumulated. It might have come from so many thousands of years. We really have no clue. And that is a written or a codified scripture. When you read a scripture or when a scripture is explained to you, what happens to that? You take the words and try to decipher whatever is written over there. And when you read those scriptures, you get an understanding of the subject. In spiritual, the spiritual scientists are the sages and saints. Alright? They have done their research. You may think of them as some ordinary people having long hairs, long beard, sitting in some forest somewhere or some cave somewhere, maybe in the Himalayas or some such kind of a thing. That is a preconceived notion everybody has. No, they have been sitting in meditation, learning about the subject for many, many years. Plus, there is a precedent over there. They have been disciples of some other guru. And that guru has been a disciple of some other guru. And it has been a lineage. Every person has done some kind of a research. When they do this kind of a research, they have come to a very, very firm understanding of this subject. And naturally, if somebody has put in eons of research in the subject, don't you think it is important to give credence to that and say, yes, this is definitely true? So, the Vedic texts, the scriptures from the past, they have been given down to us, handed down, 
by the great sages. It's a repository of knowledge and we have to accept it as the true knowledge. So first one are the scriptures. We acknowledge them as true. Number two, direct perception. When there is anything applied, a certain theory is being said to you and when you apply that in your own world. Take a subject. Let us say I am taking a subject called meditation. How many people have done meditation prior to this? Millions and billions have done. Because now we are at the end of this, you know, a new cycle that is called the Kali So naturally people have been doing all this knowledge gathering. So when they were meditating, they have arrived at a certain understanding which we are applying in our world. So in meditation, what does a person do? He sits in a particular posture. Now if I take the posture, I got to keep my back straight. Isn't it? I can't slump. I can't look forward like this and I can't have my shoulders drooping. I got to sit very straight. It is mentioned. Now, I am going to apply this in my life. So when I apply this in my life, I can also get the understanding which those people had got in the past. So it is my direct perception also. I can experience it by the direct perception. I can feel, I can experience, I can understand the subject. So I will sit straight. How do I take in the air while breathing? There is a particular method. That method I have to apply in my world. When I apply that method, I will definitely understand what they have written. So when I apply the methods and the techniques mentioned in the scriptures, I get an understanding of the subject. Then, tradition says, the next word is called tradition. Tradition says, this is how I got to do it. Now let us try to understand tradition. In India, we traditionally sit down. Sit down on the floor. Right? In other countries, people sit on a chair. They sit on a stool. They sit on a high ground. Whatever the case might be. So, when they apply the same thing in their life, what is the difference? You can be sitting in a chair and still doing meditation. Nobody says you can't do it. You got to do it in the way it is prescribed. So somebody must have studied how a person sits in a chair. 
and then does meditation. So traditionally, every Indian in India has sat on the floor in the past. Nowadays, they sit on a table and a chair. You know, they take a table in front of them and they sit in a chair. The way I am doing my satsang today. Traditionally, I would have sat somewhere on a high ground and all the disciples would have been sitting below and I would have given a satsang. Correct? So tradition designs us what we can do. It tells us exactly how things were done. Right? So in this tradition, there is a hand-me-down of the knowledge. And that knowledge tells me how effective this particular posture, the way I am doing my meditation is. And application of it will tell me that if my forefathers and their forefathers have been doing it, definitely it has some credit to its name. So tradition demands it. And I follow it. You will find that tradition in India is to wear a bindi for a woman. Right? Now, the current tradition is don't wear a bindi. So what is right? Wearing a bindi is right or not wearing a bindi is right? How do you identify where you come from? If you are proud of where you come from, naturally you will put a bindi. But if you don't care about the place where you come from, then you don't even know. If you are staying abroad and there are no bindis available over there, bindi is that red dot or the other colored dots that a person puts over here in the forehead. If it is not available, what are they to do? Now, this is about bindi. Let us look about how a person eats food. Tradition says that in China and Japan, you use chopsticks. Tradition says that you use fork, knife and spoons in Western countries. Tradition says that you eat by hand in India. Right? Now, tradition demands that. <laughs> you are free to use that. It is not necessary to eat by fork or spoon and all that. But if you are comfortable eating with that spoon and fork and all that, you should do. But tradition says otherwise. Whenever I have gone to a Chinese restaurant, they have always given me chopsticks. And I had to request most of these Chinese restaurant people, can you please give me a fork and a spoon? And then I have to wait for a very long time till they get it. Tradition is different. Got the answer? So tradition in a particular place may be different. I was listening to a very beautiful lecture just now in which 
in one country. This gentleman had gone to give a lecture in another country. So in that country, he was offered a meal. And the person who was offering the meal said in his language, Eat it or die. <laughs> now, if I listen to these words in other language, then I am not going to eat <laughs> it because it is definitely something wrong. But in that country, it means that you have to eat this food. It's a tradition. And this person had put his hand behind. You know, that was his normal posture of standing. And the person took his both his hands and put it in front. So he asked, why did you do that? He says, in my country, if you put your hands behind, it means you are concealing a weapon. <laughs> so you are not supposed to keep your hand behind. So I hope you understood this. In India, we don't do anything with the left hand. I am sure you know that. Because left hand is used for a different purpose. That is tradition in India. Okay. But abroad they have something else. So I hope you got the answer. Tradition demands, so I have to agree to it. So knowledge is also created, you know, Firmed up by tradition. Tradition says this is how it is. And then the last one is called inference. If you have a little grey matter in your head. If. if there is a little grey matter in your head. Then naturally you will infer when all these things you are doing. So inference means understanding by applying your Gray cells. Okay. <laughs> Akhil Paro would have said the same thing. <laughs> so use that gray matter to understand and infer. Alright. Inference. You will find that in India. We normally, it's a very normal thing to breathe in a particular manner. When you go abroad and when the person is all upset, the great knowledgeable people will say, breathe, breathe, breathe. In India, you will not say those words because it is an accepted fact that you have to breathe. If you are in a tense and a difficult situation, breathe. And calm yourself down. <laughs> it's an accepted fact. But abroad, it is not a known fact at all. Even today, hardly anybody in foreign countries has any idea why it is important to sit in a Padmasana. You know, for the folded thing, the legs that you fold and sit in India, why do you sit? Hardly anybody has an idea. You see, I am used to sitting in a Padmasan even when I am eating food. <laughs> if I am sitting in a chair, I will try to fold my legs on the chair. 
Sometimes the chair is so cramped that I can't do it. At that time, then I have to put my leg down and eat. So this is, there is a very, very great reason for it. And inference will tell you this. When you infer, use the knowledge, get your gray cells working, get the knowledge from your brain, crunch it, then you will understand. So these are the four things you should always understand. When you are trying to prove something, number one, whether the scriptures say so. Number two, it is direct perception. What do you say when you directly perceive, whether in yourself or whether in a yogi, a different, a sage or a saint? Number three, tradition demands so. And number four, by inference. You can infer by these four. What is it that is the right knowledge? Now, I hope you understood when you want to apply the spiritual knowledge, these are the four things which you need to trust and believe in. And this is mentioned by Sri Krishna. If somebody tells me a story which is not written in any scripture anywhere, as per Sri Krishna, that is not true. Got it? It is not true. So if somebody tells me that 12,000 years ago, somebody came from outer space or from the Himalayas and did this, my first question to this person would be, where is it written? If it is not written, don't trust and believe that person. Got the answer? Number one. Number two, direct perception. Have you seen it? Do you actually know the truth? How many people are endorsing it? Which sage or saint has endorsed it? If it is a fake knowledge, then it is not endorsed by anybody. Then directly you will understand that that is a fake knowledge. Don't get into it. Number three. Traditionally, whether that was there or not. If tradition says it is not there, it doesn't exist, then who has given the right to the person to say that it was there from the past? There is no documented or otherwise any proof of that matter. Do you know Harry Potter series? In the Harry Potter series, that boy grows up. Alright? It's a creation of a mind of her author. She has written it beautifully. Likewise, there is no Sherlock Holmes. Somebody has written a story about Sherlock Holmes and Baker Street. Baker Street exists. 
221B also exists. They have created it. But it is not the truth. There was no Sherlock Holmes and there was no Dr. Watson. Likewise, in the spiritual world, you will find that people come up with weird stories which have no proof of its existence anywhere in the world. Believing in them is the greatest sin that you can do. Don't ever do that. Use these four techniques in identifying the truth. Ask for the scriptures. Demand them. I want to see where it is written. If it is written, then I will believe in it. If it is not written and if somebody is giving you BS, then don't go for it. Number two, direct perception. Where is the direct perception that you are getting? You see, when a person sits in one place and does meditation, I will give you an understanding. When people sit in some place and they do meditation, and they say, while I was meditating in front of this great image, I got a very nice feeling. I could see that thing. Is that true? What is the truth in that? Don't fall for it. All that you saw is called your mind's creation. The feel good, the feel good feeling that you get, you know, oh, I feel so nice. I'm not joking. You can sit on a mountain top and get the same feeling. You can sit near a seashore and see the water come in and go by. You can get a better feeling. What are you saying? The feeling that you are talking about, you take some drugs also, you will feel the same. There is nothing in that. Sitting in one place and experiencing some nonsensical stuff where it doesn't even have the credence, it doesn't even have the credit of being there, non-existent thing, don't get into it. So don't trust and believe in some nonsense. Use these four techniques to identify and verify the truth in that case. So he says, since this ever-changing phenomenal world does not stand the test of these, the wise man turns away from it. So a spiritually perfect person, a wise person, if these four things do not get the ticks, then he doesn't even believe in it. Because he knows that this is a phenomenal world. A phenomenal world where things can be created by Maya. How many of you have read comic books in the past? Or those who have seen some of these weird stories somewhere in some movies? You see, there used to be a time in the past where the witch doctors, you know witch doctors? The witch doctors of a particular tribe would use techniques of creating nonsensical hallucinogenic type of 
phenomenas. And they will say, now the God is going to come over here. And he would throw some powder and things like that. Those are petty magicians. Petty magicians. Don't fall for it. Krishna is saying, be a wise man. All that nonsensical hocus pocus is created in this world for gullible souls. A spiritual master who teaches the right knowledge will never try to use hocus pocus in his life. He is not going to create trinkets, ashes and stuff from air. That is hocus pocus. Don't fall for it. No Shirdi Sai Baba has ever created those kind of things. No Ramakrishna Paramahansa has ever created it. So why fall for it? Have you seen even a ring worn by Sai Baba? He never wore even a ring. Have you seen Ramakrishna Paramahansa or Kabir or Guru Nanak or all these great sages putting some talisman in their, in their neck? They never did that. And yet they were the greatest of the sages. I don't remember from the past Nyaneshwar had even a ring in his finger. Or for that matter Tukaram Maharaj. None of these people ever believed in some hocus pocus rings. Neither did they believe in some hocus pocus kind of a god. So don't trust in all these things. Be wise. Do not fall for fake knowledge. And please remember, this is the truth. The truth is staring you in your face. It is written in this scripture. This scripture is called Uddhav Gita. We are doing chapter 14 of the Uddhav Gita, verse 17. Keep this verse in front of you when you go and check out a person. Find out whether it is written over there. Direct perception is that truth. Number three, traditionally is that how it was? And the fourth one, what does that little grey cells in your brain tell you? And none of this get ticked. Don't fall for it. Don't get carried away by the nonsense that is being dished out to millions of people across the world. That is not the truth. So we go to the next subject now. We will go to next verse. Uddhav Gita chapters 14 verse 18. Since all work is subject to change, the wise man should look upon unseen happiness also in the sphere of Brahma as misery and transient, just like the happiness we experience here below. Since all work is subject to change, the wise man should look upon unseen happiness also, even in the sphere of Brahma, as misery and transient, just like the happiness we experience here below. So Krishna is telling two things over here. If you are talking about some kind of a happiness in the material world, or if you are thinking, I will go to Brahma's heaven or Kailash heaven or, you know, 
Vaikuntha heaven or Indra's heaven and I am going to enjoy myself over there and I will feel happy in their presence. He says, all this, please treat it as the biggest torture in the world. Why? Because he says it is misery and it is non-existent. It doesn't exist for a very long time. So in the material world, even that little bit of happiness that you get, suppose in the material world, you are seeing a newborn baby. You know the amount of happiness that a father and a mother and everybody around feels? Wow, such a beautiful child is born. And then what happens? That happiness converts itself into immediate sadness in few months or years time. The mother and the father have a fallout. The mother says, I am going to take the child away from this. And she takes away the child. Then what happens to that happiness which a person got? The husband is not happy because the child has gone away. The mother is not happy because she has to take care of the child. The child is not happy because it is devoid of parents. So where what happened to that happiness? It vanished. And who can give happiness, permanent happiness in this world? Nobody. So if you think that you have got happiness for that little time being, please treat it as the most miserable thing in the world. If you think that you have got a fantastic job, wow, I got a great job, I got a great you know, designation, I have got so many people reporting to me, this is the money I am getting, blah, 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 all the kind of nonsense that you get. On the first day, it is very nice when you get your letter saying that you are going earning so many lakhs of rupees, blah, 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 all those things. And very soon you can see the reality. The whole world is against you, including the boss who appointed you. The same boss who had approved of you is your biggest villain. In front of you, he will be saying, oh, you're this nice, you're very good, blah, 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 blah. You know the reason why he says all those words? It's because the buck stops with him. He has selected you. So he has to pander to it. Somebody asked me a question. The person brought some food to, you know, Guruji, this is what I brought for you. How does it, how is it? I didn't answer. Now, can you please tell me, how did it taste? I told the person straight on the face, you know what? If I want you to get this again for me and not stop this activity, I will be hypocritical and I will say, it tastes nice. So that the next time you will get more. This is the way of the world. It's all fake. Nobody is willing to hear the truth. And that person gets a little happiness, you know. I got my little window of happiness. It is all fake. Krishna is saying these words, it is misery. 
even if somebody praises you even if you get that little happiness it is going to go away it doesn't last in this world neither here on earth and nor in the heavens if you are thinking that i will go and enjoy in the heaven krishna can i come to your goloka i will get hundreds of gopis over there i will enjoy wow you really believe in this nonsense you're going to be made to work like a bullock i'm sorry what are you talking about that there is happiness in some heaven the cheek a person has in saying these words that i want to go to heaven and enjoy over there you think this is some kind of a heaven where you get all the rambas and the urvashis dancing to your tunes you don't know even heaven is one of the worst places on earth on earth so don't dare even ask these words you are born in this world to do some service service because you have been given a body and if you don't want to do any service and you don't want to do anything in this world you just want to sit on your fat ass doing nothing then there is only one way out get enlightened and get lost in the brahma and don't ever come back that is the only way of getting out of this cycle of rebirths if you go to brahma's heaven you have got maybe 30 days of enjoyment it's like a holiday after 30 days brahma ji himself is going to kick on your ass and say get back to this earth you miserable fellow and the next life of yours you are going to become a grasshopper go and hop around on the world or you want to become another hopper then go become a kangaroo <laughs> so i hope you got the point <laughs> that there is no happiness even in any other worlds of yours and the little happiness that you think you got for 30 days is all that you will ever get likewise in a relationship also the happiness is going to be short lived eating something also is going to be short lived drinking something is also going to be short lived ask the people who go and drink why do they have to drink every single day of their life they will sit nursing a glass why because these are the same idiots who thought that it gives them happiness you see it gives them the biggest misery in the world and krishna is endorsing what i am saying you know what he says this is what it is every little happiness in this world or even in the heavens is full of misery and transient it doesn't last because the world changes everything changes you believe you are in a good job sorry you are in the worst job the next job is going to be good who told you that it is going to be still a misery you go to the next one it is still a misery and there are people who want to get married one marriage second marriage third marriage fourth marriage i don't know how many marriages people want thinking that there is a happiness at the end of the rainbow there is no happiness there you can get married 100 times also you are going to be miserable to the core 
What? You think I am telling you? It's a written word. It is chapter 14, verse 18, 1, 8. Krishna is very clear in this. He says, even the little happiness that you think you got in this material world will be transient. It will go away. Vanish. And in no time. And then you are the miserable person on earth. You think you getting children is happiness? You think you got money, you are happy? There is no happiness in this world, sir. Now, please understand, even Jesus Christ said the same thing. Do you know what he said? Suffering. We all have come to suffer. And if you think that there is some God over there or some great devil over there who is going to give you all the happiness in the world, I am sorry, you are completely deranged. Okay. There is no happiness anywhere. Misery. This is the word your life is started with. You know your name always starts with an M. Do you know this or you don't know this? Misery. M-S. M-I-S-E-R-Y. M-S means measures, you know, measures. Okay. Mister. Misery. M-I-S-E-R-Y. Mister. Misses. Miseries. Miss. Same thing. Did you get the point? Your name starts with misery only. So what makes you think that you are not miserable? So you really think that little happiness that you got by getting that food that you got to eat, the moment it entered your mouth, full of misery after that. <gasps> I can't digest it. I got to take hajmola. Huh? See? <laughs> misery. <laughs> now you will say, sitting for Guruji satsang means I am always getting trashed. No, sorry. I am not trashing you. It is written in the scriptures. And what are the four things that I said to you? It is written in the scriptures is the first way of knowing the truth. Secondly, direct perception, I am seeing it. You yourself decide. Are you happy? Decide for yourself. You Are you really happy? You are the most miserable person on earth. Look at yourself. You know, you wear good clothes. You are giving a bloody selfie and showing the world you are happy. Nobody is happy. After two minutes, what is wrong? Nothing. I, I was posing for a selfie. After that, why? Because that is your true nature. Miserable person. Number three. What did he say? Tradition says so. Go and find out from all your forefathers also. You see, your own grandfather, he might have given you a cycle. He might have given you a cricket bat. But that guy was trying to redeem himself. Okay? Why? Because he was the most miserable person in the world. He never got a cycle. He never got a cricket bat. That is why he is trying to bribe you with it. Thinking that the, at least this grandson of mine or granddaughter of mine will be with me. But the granddaughter and the grandson, oh, that old man. Oh, you. whenever I went to his house, you know, he had to give me things. If he didn't give me, 
I don't like him. Every time then they bring a chocolate, I have to look at him. Why is it that you always have to get this same chocolate? No, because you like it. I hate this chocolate, you know. There. That miserable old grandfather, great-grandfather and all these people ask them. Look at the tradition. The tradition is, you know, in India, you can go to all the passport office or to the driving license or to all these government offices. You can have a little smile. Abroad, they will tell you, don't smile for the photograph. Why? Because they know the truth. You are the most miserable person on earth. So show your misery in your passport photograph, in your driving licenses. Don't laugh and don't smile also. Okay. They know the truth. In India, we try to fake it. So did you get this answer? Krishna is saying, this whole world is full of misery. The little happiness that you think exists doesn't actually exist. So be a little wise person. You know, be a little wise person. This is a scripture. I am reading a scripture. See, I am telling you this. I am reading one of the most profound scriptures. It is called the Srimad Bhagavatam. Otherwise, in this book, it is called the Uddhav Gita. It is from Srimad Bhagavatam only. Endorsed by all the great sages and the saints and Krishna and everybody on this planet earth. Okay. Number two. Whoever has done this had direct perception. And so many years have gone by. Everybody had direct perception about this truth. Right. Number three. Everybody knows traditionally. Krishna also died a miserable person. You know why? Because the whole world was against him. None of his relatives were listening to him. They all fought with each other and died in Prabhasa. He also got shot in the leg, in his toe. He knows that it is a miserable world. He himself is saying so. Krishna himself says so. Look at his life. As a kid he had to fight the demons. As a small baby also he fought the demons. Where he was born also, all the kids before him were killed by his uncle. Now you think about it. Whatever am I saying? Is it a truth or no? Krishna was born in such a place. Where his predecessor, all his siblings were killed. He was born in a jail. He was carried across a river. He stayed in a house where he had to kill so many demons on the way. Somebody came and tried to feed him. He had to kill that demon. How many demons? There was one demon even in the lake. Huh? I mean, think about it. Do you think he was enjoying? Ha! The next demon I am going to kill. You think he was going to do that? As a demon. So many demons he had to kill. Likewise, take the case of Ram. Take the case of Buddha. Take the case of Jesus. Take anybody's case for that matter. Look at Jesus' life. From the beginning, where was he born? 
गोठे में वॉट यू कॉल दैट यू नो वेर ऑल दीज काउज एंड बफलोज एंड शीप एंड ऑल दीज आर केप्ट ओके ही वॉज बॉर्न देयर वेरी पुअर पेरेंट्स and then when he grew up finally he had to die on a cross tortured to death they put one you know even a crown which was made of thorns tortured like nobody's business so tell me where is the happiness there these are great people i'm talking about they never found any happiness anywhere because they knew that this world is transient it is unreal so always remember that little thing that you are luck you know actually thinking about i want to be happy in my life accept it happiness doesn't exist accept it misery exists and when you accept it then happiness will come to you you know why because you are miserable and you will be happy there is happiness in misery no clothes miserable fellow happy fellow you know why i don't have to bother myself about buying new clothes i don't have to bother myself of ironing them and washing them and cleaning them and tending to them i just have two pairs of clothes do i really care no do i have to keep up with the joneses the next door person is wearing nice clothes do you think i have to dress like that i don't care got it happiness in misery when i am miserable i am the happiest did you get the point take any misery for that matter i am not married that is my biggest misery you know people are trying to get me married for so many years and i am not getting married at all it is the biggest misery of your life you're 40 years old and you are not married the whole world looks at me yeah they make me miserable i am the happiest i don't have to contend with another idiot in my life the person who is telling me you should have got married ask that person whether he is really happy and he will say you are the happiest i tell you you know why because you are not married and this is a truth experienced by it it is a direct perception so i hope you understand ask the person who is not married the whole world will say you should get married you should get married you should get married but that person is the happiest because he didn't get married you have to contend with not one hundreds of people do you know that and how many egos you can contend with your own spouse is the biggest egoistic person in the world you tell that person i want my tea this way no in my place we make tea with milk in it is that so you can't even agree on anything you know i told you hundreds of people you have to contend with yes not only that person that spouse but the in laws 
who are worse than the outlaws. Okay, every in-law has got a peculiarity. You don't even want to bring them in the house. You see, keeping on digging your nose or you know the way they will. Oh my God, you should see the in-laws that you can get. It is by legacy, you know, legacy. You don't like your in-laws. You don't like your sisters and brothers and in-laws and this, that. And the whole Jing Bang family that you inherit in one marriage. I can tell you it is worth the biggest torture in the world. So, are you not happy when you are not married? Congratulations. In your own misery of not getting married, you are the happiest among everybody. So, don't ever get married. For that little happiness that you think, you know, five minutes of sexual act and you want to get married. Wow. And then you want to create children in this world. Mm. So this is the reason why even if you get Brahma's heaven, no, don't think of that place as a happy place. Brahma himself is like, you know, he's going, he's going to be collecting your tax from you. Don't worry. He's going to say, Oh, you got only 20 days left. Brahmaji, one more additional day. You think this is the bargaining place? Buy one, get one free? Huh? No, 20 days is 20 days. Get out from here. No, no, just little five minutes I will take to pack my bag. Don't need a bag. I'm sending you naked. Okay, downstairs I'm sending you naked. Don't pack your stuff over here. Got the answer? Huh? So in, in anybody's heaven, whether you go to Kailash or Shivji's heaven also, there you have to do all Tandavas and all that. All nice dance dance sessions are there. There are lots of those drummers and dancers and all that. Yes, all the wild kind of dances happen over there. In Vishnu's heaven, most of the time people are asleep. Because he is sleeping, no? Have you seen Vishnu's heaven? Vishnu is asleep most of the time. Only when his wife comes to wake him and says, you know, Prananath, you know the world is suffering. Okay, I will take out time and go. I mean, think about it like this. And this is the heaven which Krishna himself is saying, don't even bother to go to these heavens. Because there is no happiness there. There is misery there and it is transient happiness. It will go away very soon. Because Brahmaji is not going to keep quiet. You go to Brahma's heaven or you go to any other heaven, you know. Let us say you go to Indra's heaven. Indra will, first few days you will get to see all those beautiful dancers around you. Yes, you will get nice wine being poured in your glass and you will be drinking it nicely. After some time, Indra will look at you and he will say, Do you know dance? No. Yeah, come here. Take him and tell him how to dance and make him into a woman. Okay. <gasps> Me into a woman. Come on, I can't do that. What do you think? This is a free place or what? Just sitting over here and drinking my wine? Don't do that. Get out from here. This is the kind of heavens that are there. That is the reason why here he says, even in the sphere of Brahma. He's given an example of Brahmaji. Brahma, Indra Dev or any Devas that are there, don't bother. That happiness that you think you are getting over there is the biggest misery of all. 
and it doesn't last for a long time. Few days, few hours, few minutes. That's it. Finished. So two important lessons we did today. One, don't fall for fake words and fake people. Go and verify them first by means of scriptures. Any knowledge in this world can be verified by number one, whether it is written in any of the ancient scriptures. Number two, by direct perception. Go and see it for yourself. Do you get the real answer? Okay. Number three, by means of tradition. Does tradition say so? If tradition says something completely different, don't fall for this concocted tradition. Okay? Don't do that. And number four, it is by inference. Do you have little grey cells in your head? Go and use those grey cells and infer correctly. Then Krishna said, there is no happiness which is permanent of any sort. Every happiness is a misery. And how miserable it is? It is in this place, that is the earth, as well as in any heaven. So you want to go to any heaven also, it's a miserable place. Here in this place also, on earth also, it's a misery. Don't consider it as a happiness at all. And he says, everything is transient. Everything comes and goes. Today we have done only two verses because they are important to you for your life. Don't ever fall for all kinds of wrong stuff. This is how a wise man lives. A wise man always wants the proof of the pudding. He wants to know the truth. So a wise man always knows the truth. So you be wise and know the truth. Number two, don't fall for gimmickry and don't fall for the material worldly gab. They can talk whatever they want to, don't fall for it. Anybody saying something, this is the most happiest place on earth. No. Suppose they say that, you know, far away island is there. It's such a happy place. Today, there is nobody there. Not even a dog goes over there. Why? Because there is nobody there. Pandemic is there, isn't it? Only pandemic stays there. You go over there, you will meet Mr. Pandemic. And then you are going to be miserable. So why not have pandemic here only? If you are such an idiotic person going to some place and wanting to get diseased over there, you are already diseased over here in your mind. Don't go anywhere. So <laughs> these are the things which you will learn. And this is there in our scriptures. This is there in the Uddhav Gita. This is not some nonsense. Okay. And Krishna is directly telling you these words. Believe in these words and don't get carried away by nonsense. Okay. So we will stop over here and I will see you all tomorrow again for another session where he will tell you exactly how things have to be looked at. So take care. Have a great day. Bye.